0: Well, turn to your neighbor and say, "I think that extra hour of sleep helped the worship team this morning. Boy, it was good. They were not worship great this morning. Come on, give those guys a big hand. It was really—I mean, it's always good, but it was—it was really good today. Well, tell your neighbor. I hope the preacher does as good as the worship team." If you've got your Bible, go to Matthew, uh, Matthew, John chapter 16. This is my third one, so give me a little slack here. There's a picture behind me here that's kind of been the series. The series is called Your Best Life Now. And my premise is that your best life is lived following God's ways as opposed to our own way or the world's way. There's blessings that come when we follow God's way, not only in this life, but in the world to come. But what I want to focus on today is how many know? There's people that are in the world that seem to live a trouble free life. It's like they're insulated from problems, they got money, they don't even think or care about God. But guess what? They're going to get to the end and realize they've wasted their life. But yet, there is something called trouble that's common to both pathways. Trouble is experienced by God's people, and trouble is experienced by people in the world. And I want to talk about that today. Jesus said in John 16, 33, uh, now he's talking to his disciples. He's been talking about the cross and what it means. He said, I've told you these things so that, say it with me, in me. me. See, when I do this, I want you to say what it says, and then that way we'll all engage more. There you go. In me, you may have peace. In the world, you'll have trouble. Now, that's not in your precious promise box. But Jesus is basically saying this. This world is going to shake and rock and roll and be up and down. But in the midst of it, you can find a peace in me that passes all understanding. Uh, This word trouble, it means many trials and sorrows. But Jesus said, take heart or be of good cheer, be brave. I've overcome the world. And the implication is, is if he overcame the troubles he faced, you and I can overcome the troubles we face through our trust and through our following him. So that's kind of the gist of where we're going today because I want to say this to you, our best life is not always a trouble-free life. How many know sometimes the path of obedience leads us to a difficult place? Sometimes Satan's able to get an attack against us. There's many reasons trouble comes. So I cannot promise you a trouble-free life, but what I can promise you is Jesus said, I will be with you as you trust me and as you follow me. So what I want to do today is I'm going to... uh, uh, There's many sources of trouble, but I'm going to do my best to address five sources of trouble... And then tell you a response. How many know we don't always, can't always figure out why the trouble is there, but sometimes we know. And I think this is gonna help you today, and I've just called it How Do I Deal with Trouble. So, Job chapter 14, and I wanna make this statement. This, is, this first one is kinda of like trouble in general. Uh, trouble, trouble affects all of us because we live in Adam's sinful world. We just do. I mean, it was, the Garden of Eden was perfect, heaven is gonna be perfect. But in between is a world filled with trouble, and it came because of sin and Satan, and some of it's just in the fabric of the earth. Uh, I, I would love to have a full head of hair. I tease kids all the time that have ponytails. Can I have one of your ponytails? And I'll put it right here. But I inherited my hair from the wrong grandparent. My one grandfather died in his 90s, and he had a full beautiful head of hair. My other grandfather's the one I got mine from. So are you laughing at me? A man with the man, a man with a head full of head of hair. I, 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 it's okay. Okay. Uh, now see, you, you got me off track already, but trouble in general. Okay. So that's what we're talking about. Job said this, Job 14, 1, all of us live only a few days and have lots of trouble. And the, and the choir said, Amen. Amen. Life is short, and there's going to be trouble that's there. Now, Job's trouble, we know, was caused by Satan himself. He was a blessed man. Satan attacked his family, his business, and his own health. Now, he had, and, and, so when I talk in the, initially here, trouble is not just the serious stuff, but let me know uh, the cost of inflation right now. I went to buy, I like to plant new daffodils every year to kind of expand what I see in the spring, and normally I can get a bag that big at Sam's for $19.98 for 50 of them. Well, this year I had to buy two bags, and they were $30 for 25 of them, I think. I mean, it's like inflation affects our world. Can we say that's trouble? I mean, you can't do as everything you you used to do. I mean, uh, anybody have a flat tire? Uh, Can we say that's trouble? Uh, how about, how about being persecuted as a Christian? That's trouble. Anybody had a baby that wouldn't go to sleep at night and, and, and you're living sleep-deprived? Can we say that's love, but that's trouble, too? So this is the world that we live in. This is what, des- what, what I'm describing. Uh, and how many you know when trouble comes, there's several things we can do? We can cuss the trouble. Won't help it. You can kick the dog. That won't help it. I hope he bites you back. Uh, you can get in a fight with somebody or you can take a Valium. All these things are things people do in trouble. But God, I want to tell you, has a better way. And through the Holy Spirit, we can embrace underlying attitudes. And this is the first thing I want to say. No matter where the trouble is coming from, and, I've, and I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this There are four attitudes that I'm going to just go through, just the Scripture, that we should all strive for, whether life is great or whether we're struggling in trouble. And I want you to listen to the four. four. Here's the first one. is 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks. It is 7.55, you have a crying baby you just got in the car seat, your other child is due at school across town, and you have a flat tire. Well, what am I going to think gone for in the back there? Well, how about this? Before you either kneel down and fix the tire or call your husband or whatever you're going to do, how about if you just took a minute and said, Lord, thank you that I didn't have a blowout with my kids on the highway today. Thank you, Lord, that this is just a tire and it's going to get fixed. And my kid just missed one day at school, so that's not a big deal. So I'm going to be thankful that you're still a good God in the midst of this little extra hassle I have to deal with today. So help me have the joy of the Lord in Jesus' name. That's a whole lot better, come on now, than kicking the dog. That's an attitude we want to embrace, be thankful in everything. Here's the second one, Uh, Philippians 4.11, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. And then he said something amazing. He said, I've learned how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Now, how many would rather live with everything? Everything that's new and that's, you know, cool and stylish and and, uh, the rest of you, you're you're such godly people here today. (laughs) You know, everybody would like to live with, you know, have it full rather than empty. But now listen, Paul said it's possible to be content. Content doesn't mean that you're happy and, oh, I'm so glad that I don't have any money. It doesn't mean that at all. It just simply means that it's kind of like that thankful thing. You know, maybe, for example, your car. Now, your car is working, but it needs a little TLC. You know, you got to just kind of keep baby running there and pray over her. And uh, uh, you've got your eye on a new one. You've already been to the parking lot. You've shopped online. Uh, You're getting a commission or a sale that's supposed to come in, and you're going to get you this new ride. Well, guess what? The commission falls through. And now you're stuck with... Lizzie or whatever you call your car. And I, my daughter names her cars. I've never done anything like that, but she names her car. But anyway, you're stuck with Lizzie. You can be content with Lizzie. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can turn instead of saying, oh, God. You can get in Lizzie and say, thank God Lizzie's moving. See, and it's something that the Holy Spirit will work in us. But oftentimes, and this is a big one for me, I've got to ask the Lord to help me be content because I like new, better, and best. But I want the Lord to help me. That's the second, and it's a big big one when we face trouble because trouble often affects our material world. Here's the third one, Romans 12, and this is very important. Be careful to do what is right. Be careful to do what is honest in the eyes of everyone. Now, when trouble comes, that means pressure. And pressure will often try to push us beyond Christian virtues like honesty and integrity and truthfulness and push us towards lying and stealing and cheating. But whether my life is good or whether my life is struck, troubles there, I want to have a, a, a commitment to endeavor to do what's right in every situation. And the last one, of course, and I'll deal with it more thoroughly later, 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. No matter what happens, don't stop believing in the God of the Bible no matter what happens, listen, friends, no matter what happens in your life, Israel, wherever, Washington, no matter what happens, I believe in God. He is good no matter what. If I'm laying up in the hospital, I've gotten a bad report. God is still good because I'm about to go to heaven. Are you with me today? The life may be, tr- may be troublesome, But our God is a good God. We're going to talk more about fighting the good fight of faith. But this this will apply towards all aspects of trouble, this first point. Those four attitudes, being thankful, being content, um, uh, doing what's right, and fighting the good fight of faith. Those are four that are super key. Now, let me give you the second one, and this is very specific. Trouble will come in your life if you're a Christian if you're running away from God and disobedience or living in sin. How many ever had to discipline your children? Aren't you, aren't you glad your mom and dad disciplined you? Well, sure. It keeps you in the boundaries. Well, did you know what? God will discipline us when we get off the reservation. And it's good. It's not bad. A, a, a guy that knows his firsthand. Jonah chapter 1 uh, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, go to Nineveh and announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Now, before we, you, you know what he did, but Jonah was a prophet and Nineveh was the capital of Assyria and other prophets have been prophesying that the Assyrians were going to come and judge the, 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 the northern kingdom of Israel and take them into captivity. And Jonah was afraid if he went there... God would bless these people, and he's blessing people that's one day going to be used as a tool of judgment against his own, if that, if that little narrative makes sense to you. So anyway, when God told this man of God to do this, Jonah went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Now, you may not do this now, but how many, when you were scared when you were a kid, pulled the covers over your, sheet, over your head? Okay, how many still do that? When you're scared, okay. Well, well. so Jonah, this is foolish, to get away from the Lord. How can I get away from the Lord? He's everywhere. He knows everything. How can I escape him? But Jonah, did. they got on this ship to go to Tarshish, which was the furthest part of the known world. He's going to get as far away from God as he can. But the devil hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm. Is that what your Bible says? My Bible says it was the Lord. Who hurled the wind? So here's this guy on this ship, and it is rocking and rolling. I'm talking, baby, we got turbulence at 30,000 feet, and you don't have your seatbelt on, and you've just banged your head on the ceiling. It's a powerful wind, it's a violent storm. Now, and it goes on for a number of days, and the sailors on the ship have all reached out to their pagan gods. The gods didn't answer, and they asked Jonah, Well, uh, you know, where's your God? And Jonah said, Well, my God's the God that made the heaven and the earth and controls the weather. And then here's what they said to him. They said, well, what should we do to stop the storm? And I don't have an answer why Jonas said this. He said, throw me into the sea. <laughs> I don't know if he's suicidal or what, but th- throw, me, throw me into the sea. Jonas, and Jonas said, I know this terrible storm is all my fault. Verse 17, he didn't drown. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. You say, well, pastor, that's impossible. Scientists have done scientific studies to measure the oxygen in the largest mammal that is ever known to inhabit the sea. They have studied the effects of stomach acid on protein matter in the midst of this animal's stomach, so it is impossible for a fish to have swallowed Jonah. Well, somebody should have told Jesus that because in Matthew 12, verse 10, Jesus said, just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth for three days and three nights, and then he'll rise again. Well, anyway, Jonah was in trouble. (laughs) He's in a fish now, okay? Jonah is in trouble because God said go, and Jonah said no. And God disciplined him by a storm and a whale. And let me tell you this, God will discipline you and me just like he disciplined Jonah if we need it. But listen to this idea about discipline. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Now he's talking to believers and don't give up when he corrects you for the Lord disciplines those he loves. I saw discipline in action. How many know one of, the, one of the reasons our world is in a mess today is kids have not been properly disciplined for generations now. Come on. And they don't get disciplined at home. The schools can't provide it. They're restricted from it. And then they're stuck in the, in the sheriff and the jail and all that. But I saw my daughter. I was very proud of her. She came to see me, cooked dinner for dad. Uh, Linnell's in Mexico now. Be there, be back on Tuesday, Lord willing. But uh, Bethany came by, cooked me dinner, and uh, we were out with the kids uh, on the playground, a little swing set at the house. And Mia and I, she's, uh, she's about two and a half or so now, and uh, we're sitting on the ground, and she's picking up wood chips, and she decided she wants to use my face as a target. And, uh, you know, grandparents will take anything, as long as it's attention. But her mother said, we don't throw you know, wood chips in people's face. And she looked at her mother just as calmly as I did and said, no. And mother said, you say yes or I'm going to get the spoon. And the spoon is not for ice cream. And we went through about two no's and finally she said, Yes. And then we started playing the game, putting, putting little chips on each other's feet. But anyway, God used the storm in the whale to discipline Jonah and correct his behavior. And trouble associated with discipline is a good thing because it gets us back on track. Now, let's look at our response here. Our response, Jonah chapter 2. Now, he's in the belly of this whale. He prayed to the Lord from inside the fish. Apparently, he didn't do much praying when he was on the boat, and he didn't do much praying before he got there. But that fish got his attention, so he's praying. He is repenting. He is asking for forgiveness. Uh, and he is saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And it's amazing. The, Lord's, the, the Bible says uh, the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. Now, the beach was not in Spain. The beach was not in Italy. It was right on the beach where he could have a direct path to walk to Nineveh. So the hand of God was orchestrating this thing there. And the amazing thing, there were 120,000 people there. The Bible says they didn't know their right hand from their left. You know what that means? That's like gender confusion today. That God created us male and female. And the world makes us believe that we can be whichever, whatever we want to be. And now they're teaching kids you're you're either an innie or an outie. You're not a boy or a girl. What is that, friend? They don't know their left hand from their right. Jonah went and preached eight words. In 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. And guess what happened? The whole city repented, and they turned to God. Now, this is powerful. If we're in the belly of the whale, ask God to forgive us and turn around. Repent. Start doing what he says. Psalm 119 says, I used to wander off until you disciplined me, but now i obey come on give the lord a good hand here it's discipline not fun but it's good let's do number three here and it's akin to number two what if you're on the boat with jonah what if you're on the boat with jonah because jonah's sin didn't affect only him it affected everyone on the ship and i want to tell you this friends my sin will affect my family your sin will affect your family, it'll affect your coworkers. it'll affect the people that you're in, in, in the circle, your business partner. Uh, for example, let's say uh, dad's uh, at work and he sees this DeWalt drill that he really likes and the boss has two. And he thinks of the scripture that says, let he who has two coats give him to him who has none. It's a joke. The scripture does say that, but it's not implying stealing. So he steals the thing, he gets caught, he loses his job, and now his little girl, who's going out for the cheerleader squad, can't afford a uniform. She's suffering for daddy's remakes. So there's a lot of ways we could respond to this, but I want to give you one, and it has to do with our communication. Psalm 27.6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted. This is not a knife wound. This is honest conversation. But and So what I mean is before we confront Jonah, though, the first thing we need to do is to talk to God about Jonah. Because how many know if Jonah's got his mind made up and his heart, his heart is hardened against God, he's not going to listen to you. But your prayers can cause God to soften his heart. And there are times when someone that we know, love, or care about is walking away from God and are about to fall off the cliff. And the Bible says in Galatians, you who are spiritual, restore those that have fallen. Well, once we've fallen and we're aware of it, we want to help them before they fall. But we've got to ask the Holy Spirit to show us what to do, what to say, and when to say it. And my friends, if we do the right thing at the right time, we might save Jonah and ourselves from a lot of trouble. Come on, give the Lord another good hand here. Let me give you another one, number four here. And this this is intriguing because this is about... um, Something that looks bad, but can actually be good. Uh, We might not have caused the trouble, but now listen. God can use trouble to deepen our faith. He can use trouble to deepen our faith. James 1, verse 2. When troubles of any kind. So now you see that in Jesus, when Jesus spoke at first in John 16, it was troubles associated with persecution. Now he said any kind of trouble when it comes your way. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. My question is, what was James smoking? (laughs) Isn't that just the opposite of the way we think? I want everything to be good and happy and smiling. But James says, when trouble comes, consider it an opportunity for joy. For you know, listen now, when your faith is tested, your faith can be tested by a crying baby, a lost job, or a flat tire. When your faith is tested, your endurance or your patience has a chance to grow. In other words these are one of the virtues or the fruits of the Holy Spirit he's saying this test can make your spiritual roots go deeper but then you have to flow with this thing let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed you'll be perfect and complete or mature lacking nothing now how many know God's design and goal for all of us is to make us mature Christians we're to be like Christ It doesn't mean we'll be God's one day, but we're to imitate him and his values, his priorities, and his character. Um, If you know anything about gardening or farming, uh, if you plant seeds, let's say you plant your, your, your corn seeds or soybean seeds in April, and it's raining all the time, but fortunately you got them in there, and every three or four days it rains again. Well, guess what a plant needs to grow? A plant needs sunlight, food, and water. And the plant gets plenty of water so its roots stay shallow because water is right there. Well, guess what happens when it quits raining? Have you ever noticed in summertime, it just sometimes rain just stops and it might not rain for six weeks? Well, the drought will cause this plant to wilt because its roots were not deep. And I'm telling you, Christian, your roots... Many Christians will fall away, the Bible teaches, because their roots are not deep. And trouble can be a door. You say, well, how, Pastor? Do I just, you know, go through it and just try to keep from not saying bad words? And, I'm okay, I'll do it. You... No. You practice in everything, give thanks. You say, well, how about, how about if I'm in the hospital and they came in and they told me I have, you know, 40 tumors and you know it's inoperable and you know the medicine won't cure me it just might give me a couple painful two months how about that Can you going to be grateful in that pastor well no I'm not going to be happy about it but I'm going to say I'm going to lift up my head because the day of my salvation is drawing nearer than the day I first believed I'm about to go to heaven listen I'm going to believe for a miracle here on earth and miracles do happen my friend I was in a life group Wednesday night with a bunch of ladies, and they let me stay just only five minutes to listen to a testimony, but this lady was saying about this person that had numerous tumors, and I mean, it was stage four, and it was just horrible, and she was supposed to die. She went through medical treatments, but the doctor said, a miracle touched this girl because she's cancer-free now. So I'm telling you, miracles still happen today. And if you get sick, listen, you pray and believe for your miracle, but how many know nobody's going to live forever on this earth? One day I'm going to a place called heaven. I don't know about you. And heaven's going to be better than this earth. So anyway, this, this, this is a choice. Again, this and everything give thanks. And, and how many know sometimes uh, trouble is like medicine? H- have you ever tasted some liquid medicine that, and you spit it out? Oh, have you ever tried to give your two-year-old the dropper of the, uh, 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 of the medicine from Hades? And they're just... And you we use all the Kleenexes again, and then you do the dripper again. One drop got in. And, Look at mommy, smile, smile. Hi, here's some gummies. That's what you want to do with trouble. But the Bible says if we embrace trouble, it may not taste good, but it has a good effect if we stay with God. I'm preaching better than you're amening now. Let let me give you the last one, and and I've saved, I don't want to say the best for last, but I've saved the most likely for last. Uh, We're facing a spiritual attack because Satan is after us. And let me say this, if you're going to serve the, listen, if you're a nominal Christian, you're no threat to Satan's kingdom. But if you're somebody who prays, believes God, goes and gives and serves and leads people to Christ, he's going to be after you, my friend. You say, well, the devil is just a metaphor for ignorant people in ignorant times to explain why bad things are there. Well, ignorant Paul said this. 2 Thessalonians 2.18, we wanted to come to you again and again, but Satan hindered us. God is real. The devil is real. Angels are real and demons are real. (laughs) Satan blocked our way. Now, we don't know how he did it, but he blocked it. Maybe, Maybe they didn't have money for travel. They had to spend their money somewhere else. Or maybe it got stolen. Maybe somebody got sick. Maybe it was a crisis. We don't know. All we know is the discerning man Paul said, I wanted to come and strengthen the church multiple times. But Satan was there to stop us. And I want to tell you, dedicated Christian, if you're a committed follower of Jesus, Satan will try to stop you in your ministry. I shared very, very, very candidly last week my struggle with anxiety, how, how I think the spiritual purpose behind it, Satan's, was to stop me from the ministry. But how many know the one that is in us, 1 John 4, 4 greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But the devil doesn't just lay down. you got to fight back. Now, here's our response. It's from Ephesians 6, verse 12. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, the battle in Israel right now, there's demonic spirits that are behind it. The utter insanity in Washington, it's not just because who's president or what party he's in. There's demonic spirits that people are susceptible to. And that drive them. I didn't make that up. This is what the Bible says. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. The Bible teaches there's in in the reality in which we live, there's like a zipper. And if you could unzip it, you could see on the other side, there's angels, there's demons, there's God, and there's Satan. But when those zipped up, you can't see it, but you can see the impact that these de- demons make in the world. Well, now, here's what Paul said to do. I, I don't have chance, time to read all of it, but he-, he first talked about put on every piece of God's armor so you can resist the enemy. But I do want to mention one defensive uh, uh, piece of armor. He said, hold up the shield of faith. Do your arm like that. Hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. I need to have my fa- this hand hold the shield because this one's got the sword. Your faith can stop the fiery attacks of the devil. Amen. I had just a little bit of this morning. Uh, I, I, I have uh, like fluid that gets on my inner ear and it makes, affects my equilibrium sometimes. And then if I'm not careful, my crazy brain takes over and anxiety tries to take over with that. And I felt a little bit of that when I got up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Sorry, it's a little too much information there. But I felt a little bit of that. And when I got back in the bed, my first thought was, I'm going to have to fight this in the morning. What am I going to do with this? And my second thought was, I lifted my hands and I said, thank God that you're with me. And that your anointing is going to be on my life. And that I've committed my life to you. And you have, I don't remember everything I said, but I'm telling you, I put it to bed in the other room, and then I went back to sleep and got my extra hour. You fight, and and this is where the battle is so often in in our mind. But then offensive weapons. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, if you did your Bible reading this morning, I hope everybody has downloaded our app. It's got a Bible guide in it. You read an Old and New Testament passage a day. If you can't read both, just read the New. But in the New Testament today, Hebrews told me that the Word of God is alive and it's powerful. Remember when Jesus was tempted by Satan? Remember 40-day temptation? What did Jesus say three times to Satan? It is written, it is written, it is written. He quoted the scripture to him. Well, we're to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to do what? Pray. Pray in the Spirit. This is the, this is the way spiritual warfare is fought. You don't fight it like Hamas is fighting Israel right now with guns and weapons. We fight in the place of prayer. But notice what it says. Stay alert and persistent in your prayers. Now, what does that? say? alert? To what? Maybe the Holy Spirit will speak to you and tell you what to do to get out of the trouble or the source of it. But I'm going to tell you, you can pray two ways. I want you to think of a teenager, 17, cocky, stood, the man. Don't need that Bible stuff anymore. Don't need any honor bucks. I'm looking good, women like me. Got a part time job. I got some money. I'm gonna marry a rich girl, so I don't need to go to college. And his curfew is eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> Mama's home, 11 o'clock rolls by, can't sleep, lays in her bed, 12 o'clock rolls by, got one of those little nice grandfather clocks, and it tells you, one, two, three, 12 o'clock not there, one o'clock not there, can't take it anymore, gets out of the bed to pray after she's already walked in his room, oh, God, (laughs) oh, God. Son. Now, you've already checked where he is. You know his location from his phone. He didn't know that you know, but you know he's at his girlfriend's house. Oh, God. She's going to get pregnant, and I'm probably drinking over there. And he, somebody's going to give him drugs, and he's going to become a meth head. And, and, and then he going to go get a job, and he's going to live with me, and he's going to steal my money. Oh, God, please, please. You can get up at 1 o'clock, get a little oil from the kitchen, a little olive oil, because the Bible says it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. You go in his room, find his Bible, put it on his nightstand, anoint his pillow, and say, in the name of Jesus, I just command any demonic spirit after my child right now to break its hold, to let go, be loosed in Jesus' name that you will not harm my child, that death will not take this child. This child was dedicated to God when he was eight months old. I gave him to you. He belongs to you. He has a calling of God on his life. He's been prophesied over, and he's going to fulfill every word of God, every promise in his life. You knew the days of his life. Psalm tells me that before he was born, his life was written down in the book of life. He is my child devil. You cannot have him. You can pray like that. fight alright let me wrap it up here if I, I, I've tried to give you some specific things how to respond if you know where trouble's coming from of course we have the general attitudes but what if you just don't know and let me tell you what I think is very important has your conscience been bothering you about something because the closer you are to God the more reliable your conscience is has your conscience been talking to you has the Holy Spirit they're different Has the Holy Spirit been nudging you to do something and you've been saying no? That's the first thing I'd do. The second thing I would do, if I didn't know what was going on, is I would get closer to God. I'd turn the radio off on the way to work and I'd talk to God. Instead of watching TV, I'd take a walk around my neighborhood and I'd pray. I'd read my Bible a little more. I'd try to get close to God. I'd talk to godly mature people, ask them to pray for me. You know, sometimes we know where the trouble comes and know what to do, but other times we just need to get close to God to get the strength to go through it because really when all said and done, unless we need to repent and turn around, we just need to keep going. Come on now and keep believing and keep having faith. All right, I'm going to close with this, and rather than read it, it's from 2 Kings chapter 4, and, and I'm not just saying this, but this was one of the most enlightening parts of the message to me as I prepared for it. And it's this: what you do today can, prepa- can set in motion God's taking care of you in tomorrow's trouble. What you invest today can take care of you tomorrow. Second Kings chapter four. Here's the historical account: Elisha is a prophet. He goes through this town, Shunem. I think it's Shunem. Uh, he went, to, went through this town and, and he would go frequently. He was a prophet of the Lord. The Bible says a wealthy woman somehow got connected to him and uh, she told her husband, say, look, what if we just build him a little upper room so when he comes through town, he'll have a place to stay and uh, we'll put a bed and a table and chair in there and, uh, you know, we'll give him something to eat. So she had no clue, though, that this act of what she was doing, investing in the kingdom of God. And there's a parallel here to us. When we put our time, our treasure, and our talent in the kingdom of God, we're making an investment that in the future can bring a return to us that we had no clue we'd ever need. So anyway, this cycles for a while, and she doesn't get any positive feedback. But one day, the prophet asked Gehazi, his servant, what can we do for this nice woman? She's been so kind to us. And he said, well, she doesn't. she's getting older. Her husband's older than her, and they don't have any children. So, ladies, if you've not been able to have a baby, nobody knows that feeling like you. And she lived her whole life. I'm sure she prayed. She didn't have a baby. Well, guess what? Elisha tells her, in the next year, you're going to have a child. She said, don't get my hopes up. He said, it's going to happen. So, guess what? A year later, she's got a baby. And she raises that baby. And the Bible says, you go back and read this, 2 Kings 4. The Bible says when that child got older, I want you to imagine he's 13, 14 now. He's out working with daddy. And he told his father, he says, my head hurts. And he said it twice, my head hurts. Doctors think that this could have been a sunstroke and his brain became inflamed. Dad took him home, but, but it was a little too late. Uh, he died. Now, can we agree that this is trouble with a capital T? But she didn't go to the undertaker. She took that boy and put him upstairs in the room that she had built for Elisha, and then she went looking for him and found him. And she got Elisha to come back to her house, and Elisha looked at the boy. First of all, he left her downstairs. He went up where the boy was. True story. Went up where the boy was, shut the door, and began to pray and talk to God And it's kind of interesting in Scripture, there's a picture of him laying on on this young teenage boy and, and, and touching, like, face to face and hands. And the Bible says the boy became warm, but nothing else happened. Elisha gets up again, and he prays again, and the Lord said, do it again. This time he lays on him, and the boy opens his eyes. And Elisha gets up, and I want you to picture this in your mind. Mama's downstairs, you know, and she's not doing this. She's downstairs, and Elisha walks downstairs with her baby. Why did this happen to her? It's because she, without an expectation of, of reward, invested in this room for the prophet. She gave time, treasure, and talent in service of the Lord. And when a time came when she was in trouble, God did for her what she could not do for herself. And I'm telling you this, friends, trouble may come our way, but trouble doesn't have to stop us from living the good life. Come on now, our best life now, because our God is still a good God. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. He is worthy, worthy. Come on, give him a real hand today. I want you to bow your heads and let's pray. If you're watching online, bow your head too. I want you to just take a deep breath just a minute. Because Jesus said, in the world you'll have trouble, but in me you can have peace. And I want you to just, in your own little way now, just say, Lord, what are you saying to me? Because there's nothing worse than God speaking to you in church and going outside and forgetting it. But what did the Lord say to you today? Maybe it was something about the attitude. And everything, give thanks. Be content. Do what's right. Fight the fight of faith. Maybe you're a Jonah running from God. Maybe you're in the boat with Jonah. the devil's after you and you've not been fighting and praying in the spirit but whatever it may be I just want you to say Holy Spirit help me I want to ask invite you to just lift your hands to heaven as an act of well first the Bible teaches it but but we we, we surrender ourselves to God but it's also like we're reaching out to God for help because it's easy to preach this it's hard to live it and I want you to ask say Holy Spirit would you help me live this help me keep the right attitudes help me have the tenacity to fight help me to discern the source of trouble and if I've been disciplined Lord make it clear to me what I'm supposed to do ask the Lord in the New Testament it was called being filled with the Spirit ask the Lord right now just say Lord fill me with your Holy Spirit just like they did in the pages of the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit came to help us do things we could not do on our own. And we just want to yield ourselves to you in a new and a fresh way today. Welcome. Let me ask one more question before we go today. And and if I could say this way, there's two groups of people in this church today. There's one group of people who believe in Jesus Christ and are committed followers of Jesus Christ. And there's another group of us that are just as important. But we may believe something about the cross, but we're not a committed follower of Christ. We're not 100% sure if we died today if we'd go to heaven. I want to show you something. And you might recognize it. This little black hat here. Yeah. This little fellow used to wear. What was his name? Romello. If you've been coming to church a while, he'd come on. He'd come on Saturday night and Sunday morning. He he was hungry for the Lord, but he'd wear this little black hat, and he had him in a little black suit. and He had a tie, and he he'd just walk all around. He'd walk. He'd walk. <laughs> bless his heart, in, in front of the church when I was preaching or something. I mean, but but he loved everybody, and he loved God. And he's just 23, 24 years old, young African American young man. And he was loved on the church, felt the love of God. He died this week from a, uh, what did he have? He had a, had a seizure and he died. So why do I bring that up? Friend, church is not just about learning something about God or how to have a better life, it's first and foremost is to help point us to the cross of Jesus Christ to solve the problem of our sin. See, here's a problem everyone in the room has, whether we realize it or not. Our sin, it began with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. When they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, it built a wall between humanity and God. And the bad thing is that the wages of sin or the outcome of sin is death. It's physical death, but it's separation from God. And the problem is we can't do anything about it. I mean, it's like, you know, a a moat right here and it's filled with crocodiles and alligators. I can't get across. I can't jump that far. Uh, There's nothing I can do. I can't pull. There's no way I can get across because you're not saved by good works. The Bible says you're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God. And see, here's the problem. One day, every one of us is going to be standing before the throne of God to give an account for our life. And I don't know about you, But I want my sins to be forgiven in the nasty now and now because there is no chance when we stand before God. You say, Well, what do you do? What do you you have to do to go to heaven? Well, first of all, you don't do anything. Jesus did it all on the cross. We cannot save ourselves. I don't care how much money you give or how many good works you do, you cannot do enough good things to go to heaven. But what you have to do is to believe. Believe that Jesus came from heaven. He was God the Son. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. At 33 years of age, he died on a cross for one simple reason. To pay for the sins of humanity. He died as a substitute. And his open arms reached out to us to restore us to God. He was in the ground three days and he came up from the grave. Never to die again. Never to die again. He's at the right hand of God right now. The Bible teaches that he's coming back one day as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's what you believe. But let me tell you what many people don't have never done. I had a lady tell me this this morning. She said, Pastor, I'd always believed in Jesus, but I had never turned to follow him. See, somehow in our evangelical theology, we have taken the word believe and cut out of it the action and made it a passive knowledge. In the New Testament the Bible talked about repenting and turning to God which is a decision I believe in Jesus but listen now I turn to follow him and I want to make a decision and a commitment I want to invite Christ to forgive me come into my life but I don't want to dedicate the rest of my life to following him and if that's you I'd like to pray for you today for some of you it may be the first time you've ever done this for others, it might be. It might. You might have walked with Christ at one time. It's going to be you one day. You might have walked with Christ before, but you just got away. And something is going on in your heart right now. You're feeling this need to commit yourself to Christ and follow Him. I'm going to offer prayers. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go section by section. I'm going to ask you if you want to commit your life to Christ We'd like to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to wave your hand at me. You say, well, why why would I do that? Well, listen, here's why. Well, first of all, people are going to clap because they're going to rejoice with your decision. But what you're going to find is you're going to find if you can't live for Jesus and stand up for Jesus in a church house, you'll never stand up for Jesus in the world. And when trouble comes, you'll fall away. So it is kind of your first step for Christ. And then you'll come to the cross later on, and we'll pray for you, and we'll give you something that'll help you in how to live the Christian life. But I want to start with this first section over here and ask the question, is there anyone over here that says, Pastor, I want to get right with God today. I need God's forgiveness, and I want to make a commitment to follow Him. Just lift your hand and wave it at me real high. Anyone in this section, say, pray for me. I see all the way in the back. Give her a big hand. God bless you. Anyone else over here, say, pray for me. I want to get my life right with God. How about here, say, pray for me. Give her a big hand today. I'm proud of you, I'm proud of you, buddy. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Anyone else, say, pray for me. I wanna get my life right with God. Give that man a big hand today, God bless you. Others today, say, pray for me. I wanna get my life right with God. I wanna get my life right with God. Last service, a lady told me, I met her at the door after after, uh, service, and she said, boy, it made me a little nervous. It was a little excited, but I'm sure glad I did it. It helped me in my living for Jesus. Well, that's what we're doing. I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm just trying to help connect you to Jesus. How about this section? Anybody here, say, pray for me. I want to get my life. Give her a big hand today. God bless you, dear. Others here, say, I want to get my life right with God today. Anyone here, say, pray for me. I want to get my life right with God today. I'm not where I need to be. And I want to commit my life. Give her a big hand today. God bless you, dear. God bless you. The Bible says angels are rejoicing. Anyone in this section say, pray for me. I, want to, I see a hand in the back. Give him a big hand there. Anybody else? Anybody else across the sanctuary? Wave both hands at me now because I can't see real good. Anybody else? All right, let's do this. Let's stand. Us all stand to our feet. And I want you to give one more big hand for those that made a step to Christ today. And we're going to ask all you that lifted your hands if you'll come down to the cross now come down to the cross bring your friend with you bring your spouse with you come on give them another hand you that raised your hand come on come on down let us pray with you now make it a second step to christ god bless you every step to christ is the right one come on give get these people coming down the aisle over here a big hand god bless you man god bless y'all i think they said for the first people to raise their hands anyone else today So i'm getting right with god today that's what we're doing we're getting the most important part of the church service getting ourselves right with God. Hey, today was a great day, wasn't it? Listen, honored to have you here. Uh, Don't forget voters information on the way out. But this is how we're gonna close with a final song. We got somebody else making a step here. Give her a big hand. God bless you. God bless you. Our prayer team's gonna come forward. If you need prayer, they'll be here. But uh, otherwise, I love you and thank you so much for coming. That cross is still open if you need to come down.